so we have a project. We have a project. We call it OM Champion Project. Hello and welcome to the Marseille View. I am Stefan and tonight what we're going to do is well, one of two episodes that are coming out this week. So this one's going to be league unfocused, and what we're going to do is uh, review our last two games. So um, in the last week we've played Nantes and Reims, and joining me to do this is Ben. How are you, Ben? Good, good. Um, yeah, relieved. Six six points from six, and uh, travelling down to Marseille for the next two games um, on Thursday. So yeah, very excited. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, a bit of a change of plan this week. So we've just got an episode um, that we put out as well tonight. Um, so do check it out, which is a preview of the uh, final game in the um, semi-final of the Europa League. So that's uh, that's uploaded. I mean, that was done with a, a special guest from um, final podcast, Kingoliel, apologies pronunciation, and Jeremy um, is one of our guys. He's got his own. He's not been on for a while, but he's got his own podcast, Casseline. Um, so that'll be out on that as well. So thanks to him for doing that. So do check that one out. Um, so that's why we've done this episode as well, just kind of keeping it league and focused. So just kind of catching up on all the results. As uh, rarely we're fighting on two fronts at this stage of the season. So. Um, exactly. Yeah. We, yeah, we we did say yeah that it's uh, it's not often we get an exciting end to the season like this one. So let's 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 broadcast as much as possible and enjoy it. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, just the two of us. So maybe a little bit of a short one tonight. Um, so just starting off, where we'll look at the Nantes game. So I think the last time we podcasted was against. Who did we? Who were we? It was Monday after uh, losing to PSG, wasn't it? Or Tuesday after losing to PSG? That's right. Okay, I'd already blanked that from my memory. Oh. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so yeah, so we played Nantes on, uh, on Wednesday. Uh, I, I, you know, I must confess, I, I didn't see the game entirely. I, um, well, I missed. Um, I forgot about it, and then I kind of caught like the last sort of fifteen twenty minutes, but not. Oh, you saw the best part then. <laughs> Well, I, I, by the time that I'd started watching, the game was like the game was over. The Marseille were up three two, I think. Um, but yeah, so anyway, um, fortunately you caught the game in its entirety. Yes. So it was a three two win for Marseille, um, and I understand Nantes took the lead. So it was a bit of a battle. I'm I'm guessing, like, oh, from what I've sort of observed and looking at the you know the summary of the game, um, how did it go? Well, we, we we made it difficult for ourselves, as we often do at the Villadrome, right? So, it, a, a battle battle's giving not a bit too much credit. They they put us in the, under pressure, but we we looked threatening. I mean, Arit and Payet were combining um, combining really well between the lines. Um, you know, we, we looked our most threatening that we, that we well, 
yeah, the most threatening we've looked in, in any game this season, really. We we were constantly causing trouble, getting in behind. Uh, back on Bu missed, missed a couple of, of clear-cut chances. Lirola, I think, personally think, had his best game of the season. Um, he was getting in behind, putting in some 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 crosses and, and cutting back to the edge of the area. So we created chances and then calamity strikes, really. It, it's just something that, that, that happens maybe only to them, but having seen quite a few Bordeaux mishaps this season, it's happened to them quite a bit. But Chiretta saw mishits, you know, rare mishit pass from him out to the left on about the halfway line. For some unknown reason, Luan Perez tries to stop it from going out um, by by sort of going in there with a sort of, um, you know, tackle, uh, bicycle tackle to clear it. Ends up going out for a corner for Nantes, even though we were 50 yards from our own goal, and we concede from the fucking corner. I mean, you couldn't make this up. It's like screaming at the screen, going, why did you not let the ball go out for frame, Perez? Um, he did He did then recover and had a pretty solid second half, to be fair, but that just straight away, you just had the feeling you were like, great, all of this this, this hard work's been undone by, by a, you know, a stupid mistake. Um, we didn't. We, we, they'd had a couple of chances, but they hadn't really threatened apart from a couple of counter attacks where they, they miss hit the ball and, and didn't get a shot on target. And suddenly from the corner they score. And again, the corner, the marking on the corner was, was shocking. So we carry on. We continue playing well. We get a, um, a penalty to equalise, um, which was again thanks to the, the good play in behind. We were we were all over them in the box. Um, I can't remember who gets brought down. I think it was. I think it was Arit, I can't remember, but we we, we get a penalty, we equalise. Less than two minutes later, another corner, shocking clearance, unable to clear our lines. We fluff the ball on the edge of the area, not to get it back. Um, and then there's a, a deflected shot off the back of Camara, goes in the goal, and, and suddenly you're 2-1 down again. And you're thinking, why do, why do we do this to ourselves? You know, it, it's just like, this is... A game as well because Nice were a goal down away to Monaco, or they'd already lost, I think, just before. Um, uh, you know, Strasbourg were, were, were I think they they lost as well. Or they no, they won. Rennes lost. Rennes Ren lost to Strasbourg. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah, and that was it. And you're sort of thinking, Jesus Christ, this is it. You know, we could we could go six points clear again tonight. And um, this, this, this. Why are we fucking ourselves over with stupid defending? It was literally, and and Saliba was was almost at fault. You could almost blame him for the second goal. But anyway, we're going to the dressing room two one down. But you just knew, you just had that feeling because we we're playing so well and we hadn't, we hadn't heads hadn't dropped after we we conceded the first goal and and you know in, in between the equaliser and, and conceding, we'd, we'd looked threatening again and. We come back out and we just had full control in the second half. We steamrolled them. They barely got a look at the ball. And uh, the inevitable happened. You know, we got another penalty. Payet scores a, a, another penalty. Payet had, had one of his best games as well. Um, Arid was on fire. I thought he was really good in the middle of the park. Um, he was he was running between the lines. But every time he received the ball, he, he his first touch was immaculate. Every time he eliminated his... His, um, his, his sort of play that was marking him and straight away back on the front foot. And that enabled us to, to exploit the space on the sides. And lo and behold, Arit, to, uh, you know, to capitalise on, on his recent good form, gets the winner. 
um, about 20 minutes from the end. And it was, again, a well-constructed goal. Um, that Payet, Gerson uh, technical relationship seems to be flourishing really well because Payet set Gerson up to, for him to get a, a really good assist for Farid. Um, and, and we'll talk about last night's game, which was the same. But it's like you just knew that when we came back out in the second half with the same intentions as the first, I, I, I believe, so I just knew we, we would turn it around. Um, it was a bit similar to the Angers game, the way we were playing, the way we, we were just finding space all the time. And we came away with a well-deserved but, but laboured win. Um, I mean, I don't know what, what you caught, Steph. Um, I mean... You know, towards the end, yes, we sort of managed the game and saw it out and not never really threatened, but uh, yeah. That's, that's pretty much what I saw, yeah, was a game that w- w- appeared to be over, you know, we were... We were it, managing, yeah, yeah. Yeah, managing, as you said, kind of like done the job and yeah. So yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't really get the, you know, Sent you know the I, I, the the picture of the match, but I I had read that it, that we'd played very well despite losing two goals. Um, okay, so um, it's good to hear that um, you know that the teams like showing character in matches like that. Um, and right. you know as you said that like it was a really Especially important after game. losing to, to PSG right in, in yeah, the circumstances yeah. where you could feel hard done by but also where well, we didn't my, show much character in that yeah game. well exactly that but my, my main worry was the shit of the wheels falling off at the worst possible time and and we'd been playing so well and I, I remember we discussed it on the Tuesday and I was like it seems almost deliberate in my view that Sampaoli sort of you know put the handbrake on against PSG so that we didn't take a beating and, and preserve the mental straight state and, and and, and sort of um, confidence of the players, where they could they could come away thinking, right, we didn't take a beating, so let's let's forget this game and go back to winning ways. And that seems to have happened because we were we were we showed yeah ten times more character and, and quality on Wednesday than we did against PSG. Yeah, yeah, okay, well, yeah, it's good, um, yeah, it's good to see that. And uh, obviously, as we said last week, certain players like um, Arit sort of coming into the season uh, um, or blossoming at the most important stage of the, the season. So, um, yeah, no, that, that's good. Um, so, yeah, I guess just just the main takeaways from the game. I, mean, I think Bakambu, you can you can be harsh on him because he misses two really good chances in the first half to put us one there, um, but we'll discuss it in the analysis of the Reims game, but his him when him and Zenga are on the pitch and they make those runs, it just creates so much space for the likes of Payet, Gerson and Arit to run in, right? And even though he missed those chances, he was instrumental to opening, uh, keeping the non-defence busy for those guys. And um, another special mention... Um, but we'll also discuss him at length on, in the Hans game. Valentin Rongier was was brilliant as well against Nantes and last night. Yeah, yeah, he's certainly a player in form at the moment. Okay, well, yeah, so I think then we will bring it over to the the Hans game now. So, uh, right, we were away actually, so the game's in France, and uh, this was a pretty dull game, wasn't it? It started off um, pretty like the pace was just very like 
pedestrian. I hate using that expression, actually. Um, <laughs> commentators always say that, and you're always like, what the fuck does that even mean? But um, you know what I mean, right? I um, do, I do. I'm sure everybody knows what you mean. But I, I'm, I'm um, the same as you. I don't like it. Yeah, there was just no urgency. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, I just feel like a lot of wa- wa- wandering around slowly. Um, and yeah, it was a pretty dull game, actually. Um, and I think the first half and then even in the second half actually like you started to get a sensation that fuck we might fuck this game up actually um they're getting more and more little chances and it, it just like I had there was a little bit of fear i think going through uh, um that we might actually lose a goal um late in the game but i credit to some pali like because i think initially like the approach was not not right they, um you know tactically you know if you think about it's another occasion where Milik is used and he's ineffective and the, the whole, yeah, attack, changed, the whole um, attack seems the lineup quite a bit compared to Nantes yeah yeah the whole attack just seems kind of like impotent if that's the right word um but yeah so he he made some adjustments he made some substitutions late in the game and it's kind of like as you just said there about Bakambu he brought Dieng on in this occasion and he immediately made a bit of an impact it's just his ability to run and find space and he created um a good there was one opportunity he created this fantastic um, it was a fantastic ball from Rangier, actually, wasn't yes. it? And then yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, his I'll cross. I just, I, I was not expecting him to hit a cross like that, you know. Um, was it the outside of his left boot as well? Yeah. I thought it was his right, but um, and oh, then Gerson, I think it was, it, it sort of missed the chance. But yeah, so it was just kind of that change. He brought, I think, Leroy on as well, didn't he, at the same time? But yeah, he made a couple of changes in it. We certainly seemed to go up a gear. It changed something, and actually, we played pretty well in the end. I thought, um, uh, well, so, yeah, yeah half time, didn't he? Got Payet and Jason on at half time straight away. Yeah, but they didn't initially. That didn't make an impact um, in the sense that I think we were starting to lose a lot of um, a little bit of ground to to yeah. Lance in, in, in the second half. You know, it was only that kind of last the change, the second round of changes he made. I think 15, 20 minutes before the end, where we actually started looking like we might score a goal. I thought personally, because I thought uh, they were starting to get some uh, opportunities. But yeah, so I, I don't know. I guess that was my take on it. It was like um, a pretty dull game. But actually, he, because I've criticised him quite a lot this season for not being able to change things when things are working. And I think he should, in that game, the changes he made worked, and we actually finished the game looking pretty solid. Um, so yeah, that was my. That's I guess that's my analysis. Um, what about you? How did you find it? Yeah, look, agree with you on every point really. Um, it's, I, I mean, the, the the starting lineup is. I think if you're the Velodrome with a big pitch and you know you're going to dominate, then you can you can start Milik, Arid, um, and um, and and maybe rest Payet right and and try that, but. Away from home, Reims, um, I, I was quite shocked when I saw the stat Sunday morning. We've only beaten them once since McCourt bought Marseille. And that was last season away. Well, They're well. very much a team that's always like like to sit back. and defend They're our the bogey team. We haven't beaten them in the, the Villodrome in the last seven years, mate. It's, yeah, but that's, that's the style. You know, as soon as the style that they play, yeah. they're like, they're, they're quite happy to soak up pressure. They've always been good defensively. Exactly. So, and that kind of fits with, like, when we always say that where we struggle with teams that just, um, you know, are happy to, 
Yeah, yeah. So that makes that sense. Was, uh, yeah, and that's exactly what they did. But they did it cleverly, right? And and they, it wasn't they parked the best. It's that they 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 had the best chance of the first half, really. Um, uh, I thought um, Gislain Conant, the, the left back, apparently we're linked with him. I really liked his. his oh yeah, half. we've been linked with him for years, like. But I'd never yeah, really was he before? I can't remember where he's he was been before. There for, I think he was in Portugal, but he's been there for a few years. Because I can remember when it was Zubi Zeretta and Vilas Bos, I think at one point we were looking for a left back and we were linked with him. Um, well, be, um, but yeah, so he is a good player. Yeah, well, he, he was solid in the first half. He's the one who, who came closest to scoring. Yeah, you're right. He's been there since 2018. I've just checked it. So yeah, he's, he's always caused us problems. We have been linked with him. I think... I think what it was, he was coming up to the end of his contract or something, or he is now. It's, it's something along those lines. But he was good. But they they were sitting deep. But they they clearly analysed the Nantes game and they they had lines. They had two lines of four. They were really compact. Um, at the same time, as you mentioned, Marseille just um, com- when you compare it to Wednesday's game, where we were there was a lot of you know one touch passing, really quick pace on the ball, get rid of it. Um, you know, get it from left to right very, very quickly within seconds, and, and everybody seemed to just just sit back and take too many touches on the ball, which gave them a chance to regroup and, and caused us all sorts of problems because we created nothing apart from a, a sort of wayward Munich shot that the goalkeeper made made it look harder than it was, um, Rashkovic. But yeah, it just it, it clearly wasn't working. So as you say, credit to Sampoli. You know, we can criticise all you want, but. He clearly, you know, he's learned his lesson. He's, he changed it straight away at half time. Um, I think the plan was to rest Gerson and and, uh, and Payet for first day, but that backfired when <coughs> when sorry when Arit was pretty ineffective. Uh, Chengizunda was was shite. I know he's coming back from injury and he's carried us in in the in the winter months, but he's he's clearly one of the out of form players currently. Hopefully, he regains that just in time for the final running. Um, but it's like, yeah, if he hadn't made those changes, um, you know, Milik was dropping deeper and deeper and deeper, a bit Valère Germain style, where he was coming in and, and you know, he, there was no striker effectively, so that nullified any threat we had. And the minute he put Deng on, I think he, he saw that, that Hans was starting to, as you say, get control and take a bit of a foothold, and they had a couple of chances. And then Sampoli again reacted for, for again. Um, and like he's done in, in previous months, he got Dieng on to put them under pressure and, and push the team up a bit more. And Rongier was, was just on the blinder. He, he was the best player in the first half and he was the, the, the man of the match for me. He was just, every time he got the ball back, he found a burst of pace, got clear of his man. His distribution was immaculate. Um, as you say, that pass for, for Dieng on, on the Jackson chance that, that he missed, it was just... You know, this is it. You're sort of thinking, well, Rongier is is really back at his best. He he struggled a bit just after New Year's um, when he was coming back from injury, but he's back at the form we saw from him when we were doing so well just before Christmas. And he he was the man of the match. And his pass for the goal, I mean, uh, you know, one touch from from that clearance from the corner, he just he just one touch effortlessly gets it straight back out to Payet really well instead of taking a touch and, and taking too much time on the ball and from that from that pass we score it was decisive and yeah once we once we scored the game was over we you know you can tell Hans heads had dropped um deserved or not deserved we got the three points yeah uh is a very underrated player I think he's one of the players he just kind of, like, sort of seems to 
blend in for a lot of people and he doesn't probably get the recognition that he deserves but he's a pretty solid player and he's technically sound so it's good to see him performing so well because I think he kind of yeah he's just sort of um, gone under the radar too much in the last sort of year or so and despite well, he, a really good start at OM but yeah yeah, yeah I remember I, last summer he was um, you know apparently seemingly Sampoli was like I don't really see a place for you in, in, the, in the football I want to play next season and um, he bulked up over the summer and, and really sort of, you know, improved his, his physical strength. And he's adapted to, to this new hybrid position that he's playing in and he's, he's perfected it really well. Um, and as you say, we, he's got the football of qualities, but where I, where I find he's really progressed is his football IQ in terms of his, his reading the game in transition. When we do get the ball back, he's often the first player that we give it to, 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 a bit like we're doing with Luis Gustavo, you know, when, when we look for the sort of quarterback, he's that player now. So Camara passes it to him and he finds the the, the, the right pass with the right space. And so, yeah, he's, he's come on leaps and bounds. And um, I, I've, I've, I've already gotten tips as my nominee for, for most improved player when we do the award show. <laughs> yeah, that's a good show. Um, yeah, yeah, I think he's like... I think maybe like so just gonna go off on a um, tangent here, but like about Rangier, but I think he's he's probably he probably moved to the club too late, you know, in his like sort of um, career path. I think if he moved a year or two earlier, he probably could have. Yeah, no, but I think maybe like in terms of like his sort of um, ceiling, he might have maybe ah. if he'd gone to a bigger club um, a little bit earlier, he might have had more room to. To, to reach a, uh, an even greater level. Um, I don't know. I, 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 and as part of me, I'm, I'm maybe a bit cynical as well. I sort of think that like if he was like three inches taller, you know, <laughs> he would probably um, be on the radar of the national team coach, you know. Um, I think he's just this kind of like stature and sort of att- physical attributes and things that like, oh, maybe get a bit overlooked. I know that yeah. he just improved a lot, but he's just not... He's not the kind of like prototype of like what's popular in French football these days. I, I think he, he said it himself a couple of weeks ago when they interviewed him and uh, he did a, a press conference and they asked him about the national team. He was like, well, you know, frankly, look, I'm happy to help the team and, and I'm glad I'm performing at a high level, but I don't think that the space in that national team for someone who who, who plays two different positions and and a bit of a, a hybrid role that nobody quite understands, but I make it work and. He's, he's probably not wrong there because... He's not, no. I mean, there's too many other... Would he be good as a pure... Like, yeah, but as you say, for this role, would he be would he be good enough as a pure right-back? Probably not. Would he be good yeah. enough to start in midfield ahead of ahead of the, the, the constellation of great players that France has in midfield? Probably not either. Nah, so and there's better players, there's no doubt. Um, but, you know, but yeah, the fact that, you, as you just said, he can play a couple of different roles. He can be a bit of a kind of utility man and such there should always be a, a room for players like that you know like I guess like I know he's not in the picture at the moment because he's been injured a lot but uh, Tolisso was a bit like that as well he's a player that could play yeah um, but yeah I, I mean I don't know if fans have got someone right now it does have anyway um, we're, we're kind of <laughs> guessing well, that, but the yeah, takeaway so, from the game was Rangier was great Jason um, you know, it had to be said it I, I, I'm not a big fan of all that step over crap, right? But but actually, it's it's not like he was showboating. Like it had a purpose, and it was you can tell it's the type of thing. It looked like a training exercise where he was he was dribbling a cone, and he just he just confused the whole def- that defender and the rest of the defenders because 
everybody's expecting him to shoot with his left and he cuts in on his right and just just slides it into the net very gracefully and it's like samba football right i mean I, I, we were discussing it on the WhatsApp group, but I guess the main takeaway is, um, and we've discussed it before here, is, you know, Genduzi, I think he's on eight goals and, and seven assists. Jackson's now on seven goals and, and nine assists. And it's like, you know, our midfielders are finally decisive. And, you know, we had years of Sanson. I mean, I'd, I'd liked Sanson, but I didn't rate him. Um, but he, I think his best season was four goals and six assists. Um, and these guys have between them got more than that, you know, and it's very it just shows that gradually this year, whether it's them, whether it's Arid, we are we are now Paya independent in a way, finally. I think Gerson has the ability to be that player, doesn't he? That kind of allows us to move on from someone like Payet. Because I, I don't think we're actually going to be able to go in the market and find a, a Payet replacement. I think that's going to be impossible without a lot of money. But we might actually have someone already in the squad. I know he's not the same position as such, but he's he's got the ability to be that kind of mercurial you know, player, that star, that that guy that's just got that extra bit of quality. I, I, I do see a lot in him, and I think he's really shown it recently. Um, his form has improved so much. I, I know his, his game isn't perfect. You know, he's out of the game for periods, and he's still very inconsistent. Um, but, yeah, he's clearly settling in, getting better and better every game, almost. And he, yeah, has like had that that goal. Where I guess there's a little bit of individual brilliance is really what separated the the two teams. So um, yeah. yeah, fair play to him. So yeah, he's definitely the 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 top. Um, I think for the match, the also along with Rangier. Um, okay, so that game that puts us, you know, comfortably six points ahead. Um, I know like Monaco are. Are, are picking up points and and they're always a worry because if they are playing well then you know, well we know they're a good team with great players so um you yeah, can't Monaco count. and Marseille are currently the two most informed teams in Europe apart from um, Man City and Liverpool. Yeah, so you yeah this is the thing when it's like Nice or, or Rennes sitting behind us you kind of feel like. Uh, they, maybe they'll probably drop points as well, but if Monaco are hitting form, then you've got. To, I think we've got to be careful. We just need to keep winning to hold on to that second place. Um, yeah. I, I but, reckon they'll get third. Yeah, they might pip Rennes to third. I think so as well. But yeah, looking at the table, I mean, there's only four games left, isn't there? Is that right? Four games. Yeah. yeah um, so there's, there's Lyon this weekend, then yeah. there's Lorient, and then there's Rennes and, and Strasbourg. Yeah. So I mean, Lyon. Rennes, Strasbourg, they're, they're, they're all going to be like cup final games, aren't they? Let's face it. Um, yeah, and, and, and oh, fucking last minute, what, Alex what? Legs concluded he can make it. So the, the, the cursed black cats, um, Alex, will be with us at the Villodrome on Sunday <laughs> night. Um, fortunately for him, probably unfortunately for the rest of us, and, and McCourt as well. Whenever McCourt is present, we, we tend to lose and or not win. Yeah. And he's going to be there as well on Sunday, for fuck's sake. So it's like double whammy where, <laughs> you know, it's sort of, uh, yeah, if we win, it's it's against all of the curses, all of the odds. Yeah, OK. So, but yeah, so certainly like um, it's going to be a really exciting run to the end of the season. So um, we'll certainly cover, get some, probably next weekend after the Leon game, get another episode out. But yeah, just moving on from the the, the league, actually, just a couple of quick topics. Um so there is a story tonight about the um, 
I think he's the director of the Centre de Formation. Um, I think I think originally he was the coach. He is. Is he the coach? No, he's the head of youth development. Yeah. So, so Nasser Lage, um, he's leaving his post, um, and I think we we've talked about this on the pod before. So he's had some difficulties with Longoria in the last year or so since Longoria was at the club. So I guess the writing's maybe been on the wall for a while. But when we thought he was going to leave last season, the club backed him, and and he stayed in his post. But now, um. Yeah, he's he's actually leaving. Um, anything about that? I think you said you um, found out some interesting information about his departure. Well, there's been yeah, there's been a few stories that have been circulating. So first of all, when Longoria arrives, apparently he wasn't very impressed with with the the, the progress and the things that were being sort of implemented at, at youth level. Um, I think you know Longoria let it go. Then he took over from Iro, so. He had more authority. Larguet took the first team for, for that interim role and then went back to that role. And already at the time, there were rumours that he was going to pack it in. Um, and, and th- yeah, there's just been a lot of surface, actually. And it's you look at it and you go, wow, OK, well, it, it looks like a smart move. But if you, do, if you go chronologically, what seems to have happened was Longoria wasn't impressed. Larguet himself, because of his tensions with Longoria, hesitated to walk last season, didn't. Then... Longoria apparently, I think, considered replacing him in the summer. McCourt, knowing that he had to, he'd already paid for San Paoli and there was an outlay on players that, that needed to be done financially, wasn't keen on paying, um, you know, signing a check to, to sack him. Which then, uh, it, it's just a lot of service. So there were, um, who was it? There was another coach who was there, a youth coach, but effectively, chronologically, so Longoria brought in David Friot and then the, 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 the other scout from Manchester United, I can't remember his name, but the French guy. And he basically gave gave David Friot a bit of a, a spy in the camp role to monitor what was going on with the reserves because the reserves have been relegated. So uh, just, just to reassure everybody out there, that may not have an incidence because the, apparently LFP, the, 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 the French um, league, are considering changing the format of the reserves and, and putting all of the, um, you know, Liga reserve teams in, in in their own separate league, not with not with the regional teams anymore. So it may not have an impact being relegated because they may change the system completely. But yeah, the stuff that's coming out. So Maxence Flachez is a close friend of Longoria of uh, of Larguet apparently, and so this guy's been at the club for two years. He'd already failed in his in his attempt to get the the pro coaching license to to be able to coach in, in Ligue 2 and Liga, and every club in Liga gets two spots a year where they can put two candidates forward to pass the the examination and and do the course. And apparently, he's taken one of those spots for two years running, failed twice, and he he yes, that's sort of was the final straw with Longoria apparently because the reserves have been run like a, like a, a holiday camp for, for by you know for all attempts and purposes it's attempts and purposes so it's like the room is coming out so players being played out of position so Pitou being played on the wing even though he excelled last year in, in the heart of midfield um one of the guys it was it Nardi that we signed from Nice with Benzinger he's been playing as a number 10 even though he's a six so Players have been questioning his, his decisions and team selections and lineups and tactics. And it also turns out that apparently 
they've been um, he's been picking the starting eleven of the reserves um, based on who's most likely to get a pro contract and, and make it to the first team because they, they him and Lange had financial incentives if that happened, and it's sort of like what it what it reads like and again this is all hearsay i'm just relaying the the, the rumors that, that are circulating but it just reads like jesus this is this seems like the, the you know the final um legacy of the of the farniente uh, you know easy spanish life legacy um where Largué certainly has improved things compared to the way it was under under the dreyfus uh, reign in, in in the youth teams and reserves the structures etc However, the coaches he's brought on have been very underwhelming. The youth players haven't improved. And, and the fact that none of them have, have, barely any of them, even though we've had injuries at times this season, have, have been called up to the professional squads, um, was a big warning sign, a big red flag for, for Longoria. And, and yeah, it, it seems like the final straw has happened and Lange has walked. So it just seems to be the, the eternal revolving door, the, the, the reserves and the youth team, sadly, doesn't it? It's weird, uh, yeah. Is it, you're right. It's like a revolving door because it, when he came in, it was kind of like um, painted as if, yeah, he had a good reputation, and it was like it was painted as that the club were restructuring the youth setup to fix it, to make it better, to improve it because it had these deficiencies, and that he was part of that um, restructuring, um, and that yeah, the initial sort of feedback as well was that things were going really well. In the first season, um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm skeptical because I kind of feel like we're always just in a constant state of flux, you know, where things are constantly having to get revamped. Um, and you know, there's a worry I have that um, that the current um, you know um, management will uh, will change everything, and then the next lot will come along and do the same thing, and and it just kind of never ends. I I think part of the problem. With that is that we just don't have that kind of like um instilled kind of like foot, you know a blueprint you know at the club a sort of proper football um philosophy that kind of like runs through and system that sort of runs through from the top to the bottom or bottom to the top you know like a club like leon or Ajax, so, I mean, that's a bit ambitious, but you know, um, I, I just don't think we've really got that. Like, um, and I'm just not sure that, yeah, I, 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 I don't know how easy it is, it is to kind of like to create that. I think that's certainly what Zubi Zeretta was, you know, he, he talked about, was trying to do, was to try and um, Im- improve. And, and McCourt and Eho, you know, when they came in, they talked a lot about that, didn't they? About trying to improve the, the, the the club from the um the bottom and just in trying to make sure that they were getting good quality local players and that they were learning to develop them and they were becoming self-sufficient and and so on but yeah it's just not really happens because we uh, i mean at the end of the day right you're talking about um these these issues about Largy and whether or not he did well or didn't do well in the results of the, the the youth teams, there isn't any youth team players that are coming through to the first team, right? There isn't. So that shows you that some it's not be it's not successful, is it? Um, what's the point in having uh, uh, a team, a youth team, if if the players don't progress from that to the first team or don't at least get sold off for a decent bit of dosh? We've not had anyone come through since Kamara, have we not? 
Peran, Peran, like a Peran, yeah. I mean, that's shocking. That's like five years or something, isn't it? Like four, five years easily. Um, and and like getting around for this is his third year now, so it's like yeah, the writing was on the wall seemingly. But look, <coughs> full, full, you know, full faith in in Longoria. If he's taken this decision and they've fallen out, well, uh, Lagues resigned apparently. But ho- hopefully, this means that he can bring his man in because it's let's let's be honest. It's uh, you know every other part of the club structurally in all of the management positions seems to have been well well rebuilt, whether that's Cardoz, who's the, 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 the head of press, um, whether that's the, the scouting department, um, who, who seemingly, you know, the season's not over yet, but if we get a second place, uh, you know, I will tip my hat to, to that whole recruitment team because they've scouted the right players and we've brought the right people in, and that's very rare at Marseille, especially when we have to bring in such a large number like we had to do. So... Yeah, you sort of look at it and go, uh, trust in Longoria that he'll replace him with someone more competent and, and we may actually see something happen. But again, it seems like, sadly, we're, we're going for another three-year cycle where we've got to we've got to rip it all up and start again. And um, as you say, it's not for lack of trying because for the first time, you know, when we signed Nardi and, and Benzegir last year, so, yes, on free transfers, but... We've not... OM's not typically, you know, been very active getting getting those players... Um, at the youth level, when they're, you know, when they're, when they're still, they need, a, they still need a couple of years, maybe in the reserves, and we'll get a couple of appearances for the first team. But it seemed like, you know, he had the backing, and and we did spend a bit of money, and um, you know, sort of scout better players for for them to integrate into the the reserve team, and it's just completely backfired. Well, I hope those two young players' careers aren't um, stalling as a result of OM failing to develop them, because that would be. A bit of a shame. Um, yeah. Do you, to be honest, like I actually kind of, I'm not really sure about Longoria in this one because I always sort of felt like he was a sporting director that was kind of more known for his ability to deal transfers. Wheel um, dealer, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I know Zubizarreta gets a hard time, but I kind of trusted his judgment a little bit more with this because he the kind of background that he was coming from Barcelona Atletico Bilbao clubs that really have that solid youth um, system and they're relying on um, developing their own players so I thought that maybe he would be able to bring that learning you know he's had in those roles at those clubs to OM um, but we haven't seen the fruits of it so um yeah, I don't know, and maybe he didn't have the right connections in Marseille as well to 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 bring in the right people, perhaps. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. It's um, I think we just have to wait and see, you know. Like, but it'd be good, wouldn't it, if we if we did have a a, a club that if we were a club that could just develop talent and and be able to rely on that rather than well, stingy it- transfer deals. And, and, and again, um, you know, I, I, when you see the, what, what he's become, I mean, last year, Lee G went to Lille and they won the league, but he didn't play much and he's barely played at all this year, I think. But yeah, if you, if you contextualise, so the, the last five years, so Kamaha's emerged, but that was, that was, you know, he was already there before Vakot took, took the club over and Rudy Gasser gave him his, his chance in the first team then. But so Kamaha's come out, Lopez as well has, has come out and he was there similarly to Kamaha already. Piran's come out. He's played a few games with the first team. Um, 
Liaji was was tipped as a hot prospect. It seems to have not worked for him, and he he chose many over over Marseille, but that's his choice, right? But even even with those prospects, and um, well, no, it's those four really. But but do the maths, right? So Lopez sold for two point five million. Piran, um, I, I still you know I don't, I don't rate him highly. Sorry, Hadi, yet again, but he's had a good season at Strasbourg. He's started quite a few games. And and they have a clause that, that they can buy him for 1.5 million only. And so if you do the maths, you're looking at Piran, Liagi, Camara, and and Lopez. And what do we have to show for it? Barely four million euros. You know, two of them leaving on the free. Liagi leaving left on the free. Camara's going to leave on the free. And you're sort of thinking, Jesus, wow. So the little good that we did produce is we're not going to see any return on investment for. Shocking. Okay. Um, right. Well. I think we'll probably just wrap it up then. Um, just before we do, I just I was just spotting, um, looking at uh, Le Fossian and I spotted that some of the transfer rumours that have been linked to Marcus Turam, which is the second Turam we've been linked in the last week. So that's that would be pretty fun, wouldn't it, to have those two at the club, Kefrem yeah, and Marcus. Yeah, we were also linked with uh, Thomas Lemar <laughs> as well last week. Um, oh, wow. I, I mean, I, I know he's not... <laughs> if only, if only. Yeah, I know he's not like had the, the, the best of times in Spain, but I, I've always thought he was a fantastic player. Um, I, I really rate him really highly. I think he's a, such an intelligent... Um, and create, you know, talented, creative player. He would be fantastic. Um, I think at Marseille, maybe, maybe and he would be, he would, he would be the kind of player that could actually take some of the burden yes. off Payet. So yes. I think he's got that spark to him. If he's in form, he's he's a fantastic player. So oh yes, I hadn't seen that. So where did where was that? That, uh, that was on that was on. Um, I remember reading that on Tuesday when I travelled to Paris. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, yeah, it was apparently we're, we're considering him. Monaco and Lyon are looking at him also, but um, yeah, you'd like to think Longoria, the Spanish connection. Maybe you can make something happen there, you know? Yes, please sign me up. Um, the other one as well <laughs> I saw was uh, that guy Gabriel Barbosa from Flamengo. You know, he's the kind of big star of the Brazilian he's league. He's before, but, yeah, but yeah, then yeah. again, so did so did Jason, right? And look at him now. So I know. I don't know about this guy though. Like he, you know, he was like dubbed as like the next Neymar or something like that, and he's clearly not. And he, yeah, as you said, he flopped in Europe. But I've watched bits of him. He just looks painfully slow. I don't know. I and maybe he is like really good because he's scoring just buckets of goals every year in Brazil and Brazilian league is is you know we, we know how it is I mean I watch Brazilian league and it, it's just the defenses are really you know they stand off players it's not very aggressive I mean they, they, they're butchers right when they do get a tackle and it's often often rough but he's just got yeah he's like a, he, he, for me he reminds me too much of Vicardi and his mentality and, and his profile and I just a I don't want that kind of laziness at the club and b I don't I, I don't think Sampoli will stand for that and uh, yeah you would imagine that Sampoli wants as as has been rumoured for the last few months you'd imagine well he wants uh, you know a sort of busybody striker like uh, Giovanni Simeone or someone who who you know who who runs for the team and works hard for the team not someone who sits in the box and waits for the ball and and we see the struggles that Minik even though he's scored quite a few goals. We see that he struggles in the system like he did on on Wednesday, not uh, sorry, on, on in last night in Reims. Um, so I just don't, I really don't think there's any legs to that. Hopefully, 
Yeah, I think you're right. I think it doesn't really make sense, does it? Okay, um, shall we call it a night then? And um, yeah, yeah, we'll see. see. I mean, um, just just a final note, I guess. Um, shame you can't make it, Steph. But uh, 18 of us from from London are travelling down to Marseille on Thursday. We'll be at the Lyon game. Um, EasyJet cancelled their flights, which is actually uh, you know quite a good thing because six of us <laughs> decided to stay on and we're going to the, the semi against Feyenoord next week. So. Um, yeah, next time you, you you hear me, if I'm on the episode on Monday, I'll be I'll, I'll be giving you my thoughts and I'll have a very hoarse voice from screaming my lungs out at the Villa de Rome against Lyon. But um, exciting times! I hope all of you guys listening are, are looking forward to a very successful, hopefully and, and certainly exciting end to the season. Um, and yeah, the the the, the yeah the, the the sort of Marseille view trip. Uh, with Steph is still on, but um, yeah, you're the only one that won't have been, mate, because we went with Ed in, against Angers, and now uh, me, Alex, and Tomasz is travelling all the way from Poland to join us on Sunday, so it's going to be epic. Yeah, yeah. It's been, you're, the, it's, you're the last one left. I think it's been like four years since I've been to a game, so yeah, it's pretty shocking, um, but you know. But we'll fix that next year, but yeah, to anybody listening, um, look out for us. We'll be in Virachud. We'll have a, a sort of little flag with our with our logo for for UK or Marseille, and yeah, we'll we'll make sure that all of you are heard because we'll be doing the shouting for all of you. Okay, all right. Well, thanks everyone for listening, and uh, yeah, good night. And we'll do do check out our other episode that's out as well. The yeah, the final preview. Yeah, and thanks to Jeremy for that. Yeah, and yeah, we'll see see you next time.